welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, flying uh, solo here tonight. Uh, Chili Dog's still at work with Paulette, and um, the birds are quite content in their cages, so I'm going to leave them in there till we have popcorn in a movie later, because they really enjoy that part. So, um... Uh, what do I got today? Short. Um, I got a new photo project that I'm working on. You can go to my Facebook page and you kind of see it. Um, or search uh, hashtag the big picture. Hopefully I will be doing that at some of the races I'm going to. Uh, we'll see how that all, if I can make that work. Uh, two-parter or a parter and a half today um talked with my friend greg gleason about getting ready to go to the uh tour divide the longest off-road mountain bike race in the world um but before that uh talked with uh, jason popolski about the fact that this year will unfortunately will be the last year of the uh, teton ogre race and uh, so yeah, we'll start with that, and then we're going to talk to Greg and uh, learn a lot about bike packing. So that's enough. Go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. That's, Bye. It's funny when you called. Then it it uh, my recording stuff def- defaulted. So okay, we're good. Hey, how are you? <laughs> hey, I'm all right. How's the Black Hills? Um wet right now but it's going to dry out so we've had a couple days of rain so i'll take it yeah it's not snow (laughs) yeah same in the tetons it's been wet spring-like yeah so well you know first it was snow now it's wet and then oh god it's so hot (laughs) yeah um all right well tell me the bad news we'll get this out of the way first um well Bad news is this is the last year of the Teton Ogre Adventure Race. Um, it's the fifth year, yeah. and we decided it will be the last, unfortunately. Well, I mean, five years is a good run, and, you know, in um, race director years, that's like 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a cat or a dog or something. Exactly. Or, or uh, yeah, racing years. So is it is just kind of getting to be a little too much? You want yeah, to play? I mean, it, it's yeah, we always want to play. I mean, it's always been a lot of work, but you know, we love adventure racing, and it kind of kept us going. But um, I thought, I guess, I thought originally that the Tetons would be uh, more of a destination draw, mm-hmm. and. Um, they are for sure, but we just don't have the population base, I think, to sustain it. Well, I mean that makes sense because, for whatever reason, the the hot spots of adventure racing in the United States is the East Coast and the Midwest, where all the people are. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I know, and, and those are great places to race. But yeah. I love seeing races in the big mountains. Well, yeah. So, so um, all right. So let's go to the happier news. 
You got anything special planned for this year? For your farewell? Well, I mean, we we didn't decide this till a couple of weeks ago, so we we're kind of all, you know, planned. Yeah. But, I mean, we put a lot into our courses. I I love the river section this year. Um, I mean, we're just going to do what we do is just try to put on the best course yeah. possible. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a small uh, world we live in, and I I never heard anything bad about the race, so I think that's uh, definitely a positive for you guys. That's great. That's good to hear. <laughs> no, we had good feedback, and we're, we're totally happy with our run. It's great. Yeah. So, um, well, talk a little bit about the race. Um, I think, I mean, that's kind of the idea, right? We want those people that are like, well, I'll do it sometime. Like, hey, yeah, exactly. sometimes There's, now. Yeah, so many of those people out there. Um, but this year is a 10-hour and a 24-hour. Um, and 24-hour has pack raft section and... It's just, geez, we love to explore. So every year is new. Every year is new permits, new course, um, new trails. I mean, every year we learn something about where we live as well. Um, so it's good for locals, good for people traveling in. Um, it's just, you know, it's a mountain course. It's yeah. woodsy. Like, it's wild. There's wild animals out there, and... Um, it's a pretty exciting place to race, especially at night. Uh, um, yeah, the, the mountains yeah, always the are. Mountains always are. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, what's the most interesting thing you guys discovered about where you live while working on the race? The the neatest place. The neatest place. Yeah, something you found. Because, I mean. Specifically because you were working on the race and you found this, like, really cool spot. Um, I think what surprises me the most is how many trails we find that are moto trails mm -hmm. that are amazing to mountain bike on. So we have this this whole library of trails now that we could access um, on bike rides that are just unbelievable. And we wouldn't have learn that at least not that extensively and until we put on this race it's interesting do you know out there are they like um legal legal motorcycle trails or just people out riding and because and i'll tell you why because here in the black hills the motorcycle community has been able to do hundreds of miles of legal trail whereas yeah. you know the mountain bikers have done I bet you it's ten to one minimally. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty common. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. There's a there's a whole mix around here, but plenty of moto trails. Yeah. yeah, I don't really mind. I mean, you know, moto pass by, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm. I've always said motorcycles good, quads and four wheelers bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I found some good trails, uh, two track as well. Yeah. Well, but, you know, it's the silver lining we have to make. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And this trip, this Teton area, it's amazingly diverse on the west slope. I mean, I mean the east side as well. But 
I mean, just every range is a little bit different as far as rock and geology and um, dryness. And um, it's been super fun exploring around with Abby. Yeah. Well, it's a not like you need an excuse, but it's a good excuse, isn't it? For sure. But we'll continue on on our own adventures. Yeah. Most definitely. So what are you guys... That, <laughs> Now that your life has become easy, you got racing plans? Um, yeah, we got some plans. Nothing nothing crazy. We're going to go down uh, to Never Summer again. Uh, there's a new race in Pinedale, Wyoming, called the Surly Pika that's super fun. We're going to go back to that. Yeah. And probably back to Bend. That's yeah. a, always a great race, yeah. uh, the 24-hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, life goes on. I'm, you know, gardening and baking bread, and I don't know other things. Yeah. So what you're saying is you you you're going to have time for um, the real world, as some people might put it. Yeah, as boring <laughs> as that sounds. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it's yeah. Sometimes Netflix and chill is not a bad thing. No, I totally agree. Yeah. And. More news, uh, Abby and I are getting married next year, which is exciting. Well, that's, uh, you know, we buried the lead. That's, yeah, the really, that's that's cool. And I don't know what yeah. it is about me, but I always get extremely um, happy when I hear people getting married. So congratulations. Nice. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate yeah. it. You're going yeah, right. to have an adventure, adventure wedding or a more traditional um, I'm sure it won't be too traditional. Okay. But uh, we're going to just try to make it fun, you know. Well, pizza. Yeah. <laughs> when the time comes, I happen to know a uh, very outdoorsy minister who lives with me. Oh, um, nice. Really. Yeah. Paulette is, is an ordained minister. She's done three weddings. So. Oh, that's awesome. But, we. We actually are getting our neighbor to do it. Yeah. Uh, that falls through. I'll definitely yeah. give you a so. Well, that's, um, that's, a, that's a happy happy ending for this, yeah. for this sad <laughs> podcast, sad <laughs> interview. Oh, <laughs> so. uh, it's not too sad. You know, you move on, do other things. Who knows? It might happen again. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have so many courses. In my brain, I mean, yeah. I have an exhibition course I would love to do sometime. I mean, things might happen again. Yeah. Well, if we get like a hundred more teams to sign up for this year, then you might reconsider. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hundred teams for sure. Yeah. I would reconsider. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm putting words in your in your. Uh, I'm putting my words in your mouth, which it sometimes. Yeah. No problem. problem. <laughs> I mean. I, I can agree with that, so no worries. So, well, um, when I got talked to you, I said I want to just do a short little thing so we can get things out. I think you got a video that you got posted, kind of explain a little bit more and talk about the race that people can see, right? Yeah, we posted something on YouTube and Facebook, mm -hmm. and it's just basically revealed it's the last year, and we went on out on the course and took a – some video of what we saw. So yeah. yeah, so we'll throw that in the show notes so people nice. can look at it and like, yeah, maybe we, maybe we should go. 
So, yeah. so um, what is the dates of the race? Uh, June 23rd to 24th. Yeah. So coming so, up pretty quick. Yeah. Well, but, you know, people got time. You know, yeah. Yeah. There's an, if you're, especially if you're an adventure racer, your stuff is usually pretty ready. Yep. It's in, it's downstairs in the room and all you got to do is throw it together and go. That's right. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for the quick little chat. And, um, maybe, uh, after the race, we'll, uh, check in with you again and see how it, what happened, how it went. Yeah, that would be, be great, Randy. I appreciate it. Thanks for chatting. All right. Thanks. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you. Maybe we'll see you somewhere down the line later this summer. Hard, hard for me to know. I don't even have my schedule figured out yet. Yeah, well, I always seem to see you somewhere, so well, we'll lucky, see you then. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, all right. I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go take the dog out in the rain because I'm that nice. kind of guy. So, all right. All right. Have a good time, Randy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for the chat. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye. So now what kind of ice cream did you get? <laughs> well, I got a turtle sundae from Culver's. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I had a chocolate croissant. That was pretty good, too. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what's I a, figure I... What's hmm? a chocolate croissant? Um, Like a croissant with chocolate in it. <laughs> oh, in it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I have but, to apologize, uh, but I have a cold. Yeah, well, it's because all you do is train. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> do, I, I you, think, do you? No, go ahead. I think it's practicing high-altitude high training. God's trying to tell me something. Yeah. Yeah, stay in Sioux Falls. Yeah, no Flat kidding. Flatlander. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely makes a difference. Yeah. Do you... Um, are, are you good at uh, chilling out when you're not... When you should, yeah, yeah, yeah. I super Learned to chill. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, your hundred mile ride in hundred degree heat today—it's pretty chill. Well, I didn't do a hundred miles. I only did sixty-five. Oh, 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 slacker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> everybody, this is Greg. But they all know that because the seven people that listen to the podcast have listened to all of them, so they know who you are. <laughs> so, um, we had pizza earlier this week. We did. That was pretty good. So how um, – I think when we talked, you, you only had like, I don't know, that not that much farther to go, just a day. <laughs> so uh, yeah. how, did, how was the ride overall? 
Uh, it was good. You know, I think uh, the thing that surprised me the most is um, in the state of Wyoming, how much private property there is. You know, there was a ton of private property. Yeah. And I guess um, I should say Greg's got another ride he's been working on. The How many fire towers? Uh, seven. seven. Seven of the active fire towers in the Black Hills. Yeah. Um, is that all the active ones? Yes. Okay. Because I think so there's, there's... Yeah, I think there was something like, and I didn't actually count them, but there's, I don't know, 15 to 20 total fire towers, but a lot of yeah. them have actually fallen over, and and I assume that the trail up to them is, would be <laughs> overgrown now. You know, mm. so that's, that's why yeah. I... I focused yeah. on the seven active ones mm-hmm. because I knew for sure the trail will be, you know, clean enough for you to at least hike a bike and not have to bushwhack. Yeah, yeah. Some of them aren't. I know Norris Peak is. You know, everybody goes to Norris Peak all the time, but right. Uh, yeah, some of the ones that aren't ten miles from town might be a little hard. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, how long was that ride? How long is it going to be when it's all said and done and put together? You know, I don't know for sure. Um, uh, with the Wyoming uh, um, debacle <laughs> or private property stuff, and, and I mean, it was really problematic. Um, I, I've I've figured out a reroute that basically I'll be able to uh, still keep. I was thinking I originally was going to have to eliminate Warren Tower, which is in Wyoming. Um because it's over uh, by Sundance, and I didn't know if there was going to be a way to get back into the Black Hills or the mm-hmm. South Dakota side of the Black Hills where there's very little private property or at least enough access to roads, gravel, to route yourself through the network of roads you need to get to to keep it off-road to get to the fire towers. <laughs> so anyhow, long story short, I looked at it real quick the other day, and we're going to be able to make it happen. So Warren Peak's going to stay in, um, uh, and I found what we'll do is we'll go through Trailhead um, for a feed zone and um, uh, the, uh, what is it, Meadows by Deerfield there? Yeah, Mount Meadows. Mount Meadows, yeah. Um, You know, because one of the important things for me in, in developing a route is making sure people have adequate access to supplies. Yeah. You know, um, water is one thing, and in the Black Hills, there's plenty of water. So as long as you bring a filter, you'll pretty much always have water. I, I can't imagine not being able to find water. Um, mm-hmm. But you also need access to food. And, yeah. uh, you know, even if the food has rigid hours, you know, like they're only open from noon to four or whatever, at least I've provided you an opportunity to resupply. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the goal. And I think looking at it, I think I'm going to be able to do that. What will happen is the route will change. I had Cement Ridge, which is one of the last fire towers on the original route, will end up being the second water tower or fire tower, water Mm -hmm. tower. (laughs) thinking East River here now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, but anyhow, that'll be the second tower, and then we'll work our way down to uh, Elk Mountain. Okay. Yeah, so you're going to have that 
kind of a long stretch in there, that backside. But yeah, um, there'll be a really really long stretch between Cement Ridge and Elk Mountain. Yeah. But but you'll also be traveling through the heart of the hills, you know. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, I think it's a little bit to me that Western Hills is a little bit easier. Seems like the climbs are. A lot longer and more gradual than than you know, like around here, around our house and stuff, where you're up and down. So, um, boy, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. Just, I mean, to me, it's like you're always climbing because that's the way it is. You know, you're either going ways, up or down. Period. There yeah. is no. There's very little. Maybe flat. what? Yeah. Maybe what I should say is they're longer than here. Like we talked about that 18 miles up to Bear Mountain. Yeah. You know, around. Around here, around packed hole and stuff, you just, you know, you go up a half mile just, you know, 36 times. Oh, sure. Yeah, they're a little punchier, shorter. Yeah. Yeah, whereas in the Custer area. But, I mean, you get that at a spearfish, too. I mean, up the trailhead at a spearfish, if you go direct around the ridge line, or, I mean, it's a 70-mile climb. You know, granted, it's 1%, 2% the whole time, but it's still a climb. Yeah, it's you know, and it, it, people don't think of the Black Hills. At least I don't think they think of the Black Hills as being like that. They, you know, if they're thinking of long climbs, they're thinking of Colorado, mm-hmm. um, Montana. You know, and in, in, in the Black Hills, <clears throat> I mean, you can have some really, really long climbs. And the yeah. thing about the climb from Custer to the top of Bear Mountain um, is. It's not, it's 18 miles, it's not 1%, 2%. I mean, it is 6, 6 to 12%, you know, so it's a, it's a tough, it's a bugger of a climb. Yeah, I and mean, you're really a, working to get up to the top of the mountain. Yeah, and it's a little almost anticlimactic, though, because it's not the top of a mountain, really. It's <laughs> the top of this long, really, really tall ridge line. Right. Um, so it's, um, but it still like has Peak. a heck of a view, whether it's, it's not a the great top view. Or not. I mean, it, yeah, you know, it is a fire lookout, and you can definitely see um, uh, yeah. both directions very, very clearly. Um, yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, and it usually you know, in summertime there's somebody there, so you can go up in there and. Uh, yeah, I didn't know usually, if I could do that. They they were there, but I didn't know if I dare climb the stairs and ask if I can come in. Oh, I, I, every time I have, they love it because. Oh, well, I would have loved to have done it. I, I'd like to kind of yeah. see what, you know, being a technology guy, I'd like to see what they have up there to kind of monitor things. You know what it is? It's a great big, probably a six foot diameter compass yeah. with a sight on it. Oh, so they okay. spin it around, they look at it, and they say <laughs> it's. Uh, you know, 270 and a half degrees from here. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So it's actually kind of really old school tech. Yeah, yeah. And, but, yeah, usually they love visitors because, <clears throat> you know, maybe they get more now. But, like, when we first moved here, you know, in the early 2000s, it didn't seem like there were very many people that would go up there. I mean, they were always happy to see us. Yeah. And, and I know it's not my sparkling personality so i think they're just <laughs> bored <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right, let's let's. Uh, you got some little race coming up. A little race, yeah, little yeah. teeny. Uh, yeah. World's longest mountain bike race. You mean? Is that the one you're asking about? Well, yeah, somatics. You know, some oh, people. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's. You you want to start with this year or last year? Well, I think it's appropriate to start with uh, last year. Okay. So this, if 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 you're a sensitive person, you're probably going to cry <laughs> if you're listening to this. Yeah. So, all right. Well, t- I know what happened, but tell everybody else. Well, um, you know, I think it's kind of one of those things where a lot of things happen. You know, yeah. um, it kind of started with, you know, I am a flatlander. Um, yeah. I live at, I think, 14, 13, 1400 feet. Um, I got into the mountains and immediately I uh, probably went too hard or something and ended up developing mountain sickness uh, or altitude sickness, as you call it. And my lungs were filling up with fluid and whatever else. <laughs> which is kind of the opposite of what I have now as a cold, so I apologize yeah. for that. But, um, you know, so I was uh, coughing quite a bit, and the coughs developed to be very deep um, and uh, started to work their way up through my chest and, you know, started fatiguing things. Um, I, Because of that, I decided that I wanted to uh, try to ride through it, so I rode for... 320 miles or 30 plus hours straight um, probably making it worse I don't know uh, let's see um, I was riding on a fully rigid mountain bike uh, with drop handlebars so it wasn't quite as relaxing as a mountain bike um, mm-hmm. a little more aggressive in the in the stance so my head was uh, hanging over the bike a little more than it should um, I think I continued to push a little too hard and didn't sleep enough. Um, and then eventually I hit, I was fatigued enough in the neck and upper body that I hit some whoop-de-woos and whiplash my neck and got a thing called Shermer's neck. And that's where you can't hold your head up. Um, basically what happens is the uh, trapezes muscles and the brain uh, decide to, the brain says, shut off muscles, and the head drops. Mm. And um, it's a real thing, and you can't, yeah. literally cannot hold your head up. Yeah. It's, and it's not, it's, I'm, I haven't experienced, I know people that have. I mean, I, I used to race against Mike Shermer. Yeah. So, oh, sure. Um, back in the back in the day, back when I was good. But yeah. it, it's how would you describe it? Because it's not like you're, or maybe it is the way you describe it. it it's I, not like your you know, muscles are tired, right? No, they're not. It's just, the brain literally just, just tells them to turn off. And you know, the articles I read about it, they never really had an explanation for it, other than they said that. Tour de France riders do not experience this, and the reason is is because they get plenty of rest. So, you know, mm-hmm. they may ride 150 miles that day, but the next, that night, they're sleeping for six, eight hours, you know, and, and in a hotel, obviously. Yeah. 
you know, very well taken care of. So it doesn't happen there. Where it happens is in RAM and, you know, ultra events where us brilliant athletes try to get as little sleep as possible so that we can maximize our mileage. And, um, you know, those things don't go together real well for everybody, obviously me. And um, you have to kind of pay attention to that stuff. And, you know, during the ride, I, I was about 800 miles in the ride. And my mountain sickness was so bad, I needed to stop. And I figured I needed an inhaler. You know, so I called a doctor friend of mine, and um, I was in Butte, Montana, and he wrote me a prescription to get a ibuterol inhaler because <laughs> I figured it might help clear clear it up a little bit along with a little, little additional rest and stuff. And as I was sitting there waiting for the prescription to fill, I felt my upper body just starting to slowly droop. Like I had no control over it falling over. You know, so that's the kind of fatigue I was experiencing, and I think when I when I went into the the up and down motion and my neck just kind of flopped, and it happened, it was because I had fatigued my upper body so much that it just had no control anymore. Yeah, or it wasn't controlling things like it normally would, and that's what kind of led to it. So yeah, you know, yeah. so obviously I've learned a lot about reflecting on that experience. Um, from last year, and then I've also done exercises and completely changed the bike over to a, a full-on mountain bike, shortened the stem, put on front suspension, so so I'm not taking the full load all the time. I can unlock my suspension and let it take the the bumps. Yeah, <laughs> and the uh, the answer if you're it race across America if you get Shermer's neck is. They they splint it. <laughs> yeah, well, and there's apparatuses and different yeah, things that you can hook your chin up and because there you're riding on a road where you have a straight yeah. line and you can, you know, it's easy to navigate. Mountain biking, yeah. that's not no. going to work. Yeah, not, I, and especially with another what fifteen hundred miles to go. Yeah, I I mean I just quickly discovered I was coming down a one of the passes. And, you know, the divide is a series of a bunch of mountain passes and. This particular one's called Union, um, Union Pass. And coming down the other side, it's uh, there was still on the top of the mountain, which is a huge open prairie-like um, pasture, uh, as many passes become at that altitude, you know, 10,000 feet plus. Um, two to three foot of snow left still, so we're, you know, hike a biking. And then we come down the other side, and there's so much melt that, the jeep trail was it was just a bunch of huge puddles um with huge baby head rocks true on all out mountain biking in my head i couldn't hold it up you know so at some point i was flopping around so much i just i really did not feel safe and you know that's when i decided that it was probably time to just take this as a lesson and pass on you know move on to the you know, doing it again in the future. Plus, I had some great advice from a really good friend that says you like to practice this crap. So <laughs> he's right. I do. Yeah. So, well, I mean, there really wasn't any choice. No, there was no choice. Yeah. None. Which, 
Other than the, the the one choice I would have had is if I wasn't a full-time person at working full-time yeah. and I didn't have vacation to worry about, I could have rested about a week. Yeah. It, uh, and probably that, still finished within the 30-day limit and whatever. Um, but, yeah, there was really no no other option. Yeah. And I think it, it should be noted that um, you went there – well, you you went to win – I went to go hard, yeah. yeah. Give it my I mean, all. I, whether yeah. whether it was win or top ten, it didn't matter. It was I was going to give it my hundred hundred and ten percent. Yeah, and even with being sick and all that stuff, you were you were doing quite well. That was fighting sucks. Yeah, but um, so you rode. What'd you get? Eight hundred some. Uh, no, I made wow. it. Uh, I made it like thirteen hundred, thirteen fifty. Okay. So and then you went. So I what made did it you about then? halfway. Okay. Well, actually, I was thinking it wasn't that far. So huh. good on yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I fought a long time. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. So then, yeah. <laughs> so then you went down and did the last six hundred, six fifty this spring. What did, what did that teach you about the race? Uh, it taught me. I, you know, um, I think uh, more strategy. Okay. I know what to expect in that area. So mm-hmm. if I'm still hanging tight, um, because once again, I do plan on going with the intention of racing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's going to be um, very well thought out. I'm not going to push myself overboard, but I'm also going to be very thoughtful in um, when I do long sections and when I don't and what it showed me down there is the terrain is very forgiving and you can probably push yourself a little bit more how since you've been down there you'll have a better I guess better understanding this but when when do you start smelling the barn See, you know, he, I he's from think, Eastern South Dakota. He knows exactly what I mean. Well, so the thing is, you know, that is that's a great question because I've been thinking about that, and and it, and it all kind of just. I mean, obviously, you're going to get to a point where even if you're in last place, you're going to still smell the barn because you just want to be done. Yeah. Right? So whether I I do well and I'm racing or I'm not it's still probably going to be the same exact attack. Um, there's a certain point in New Mexico, because New Mexico, the sec- that whole section is mostly road. I mean, there's a good chunk of gravel, and then you also have the Gila um, uh, Forest, mm. um, which is a, you can't, I mean, there's 10,000 feet in 100 miles or something like that of climbing, so you can't shake it off, and it's... it's yeah. And it's crazy because it's like the Black Hills. It's pine, ponderosa pine trees in the middle of a desert. But anyhow, <coughs> it's kind of in that area. Once you kind of get in the middle of that, you could probably just ride straight through to the finish. Yeah. You know, so two, three hundred miles out would not be really any kind of problem to make it to the finish. Yeah. And in New Mexico, at that time of year, you know, it could be 100 degrees, so riding at night is probably a better choice anyways. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Do you um, – oh, here's how I want to say this. 
how many hours a day average do you think about the race? Right now? Yeah. Well, okay. yeah, since, okay, say, okay, say so like in the see, last month. Let's say let's say since last year when I had to pull the plug. Yeah. Um I probably think about this event no less than a couple hours a day every day. Yeah. Literally. Sounds, and, and now, sounds, yeah. obviously, I'm getting closer to it, so I'm thinking about it probably a quarter of my day. Yeah. And uh, what I think is interesting is probably most of these, the people listening are like, yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yep. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have people you can talk with regularly? We do. On uh, Facebook, we have, uh, I think, two different groups. And you can okay. post questions. Um, uh, if I ever have any questions that I really want answered, the the elite of this whole race um, will very happily answer any question if I uh, send them a message. Um, you know, so it's a great little community. Um, all, all extremely helpful. You know, because they all get it. It's you know, there's a race. Yes. Um, first place only gets bragging rights and finishing is you know a bigger deal than anything if you finish it's kind of a big deal to finish a 2700 mile longest mountain bike race in the world kind of thing you know i mean it's yeah you know yeah well um i and i understand the group and and i and i think adventure racing like that too but got to be a little bit competitive among a few people right absolutely <laughs> no. no it's totally um, competitive <laughs> yeah do the top like say the top five whoever do they always show up or is it like you know three of them are here this year and no yeah year? they never they never all show up and the other thing that's kind of funny is they don't let you know they're showing up until they show up yeah so, you know, so, so they're all like super secretive as to whether they're going to be there or not, and yeah. you know, whereas yeah. I don't care. You know, yeah. anybody can. No, want I haven't been training. I just been riding around town. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know what it is. It's kind of an interesting thing. You know, you may not know the answer to this, but how many people have got to Antelope Wells and turned around and rode back? You know, I don't know this, but I knew I do know that a guy Ashley Wells did a yo 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 last year. <laughs> That's down and back and down hand. and back yeah, four yeah. times. Yeah. That is nuts. Are you like me? Do you wonder how these people make a living? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, I have no clue like... how they make a living. You know, he well, was from I mean... England, so I don't know their. You know their structure. I I know that their vacation and and sabbatical time is different than ours here in America. So yeah, but still, it's you know it requires a little bit of money to do it. You got to eat. Oh no, it's uh, yeah. very expensive. Yeah, I mean you're eating at convenience stores. Yeah, you know if you've ever stopped at a convenience store, you know got yourself yeah. a couple sodas and some chips and jerky and whatever you know you're walking out with 30 bucks yeah you know, and that's, that's true 
that's a really good meal for somebody. So, yeah, yeah it's very expensive to do this. Yeah, yeah it's kind of interesting. I never really kind of thought about that. But, yeah, you guys are eating, what? yeah, convenient, expensive food because yeah. that's what there yeah, is. Yeah, the premium price foods. We're not eating the what you can buy from a grocery store and prepare. Yeah. Do you um, – what do you do? Okay, so the route's GPS, but do you have notes and stuff to know where, okay, where grocery stores are, where whatever is? No, the only thing, out? unless you've done it multiple times, the only thing you know is I've, I've created cue cards based on others that have done it before me, um, okay. tailored to mine, where I'll say this town is here. It has all services like hotel and convenience. Mm-hmm. And then it's this many miles to the next three stops, right? So that's about all I know. So when I pull into town, I know whether it has all or none. Okay. Um, you know, so in that way you can prepare for the next leg. You know, if, so, yeah. Because there's a couple spots in this where there's a couple hundred mile legs, and you know, 200 miles, you got to carry a lot of water with you. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going through the rainforest very no. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, which which is worse, hike a bike through the snow or, you know, 150 miles of desert? Hmm. You have to pick, huh? <laughs> okay, well, I so both bad, I think but... what it comes down to is I'd rather ride my bike than hike my bike, period, yeah. no matter what the conditions Okay. You know, whether it was if if I can climb a 15% grade for, you know, an hour or Mm -hmm. or, um, ride through the desert, I'd rather be riding my bike. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) You're going to be moving faster, but. Well, and it's also easier on my body. You know, I've I've got, you know, a left knee that's kind of tricky and walking honestly kind of aggravates things so whereas on the bike i don't have those problems yeah yeah so you want to be on the bike i want to be on the bike yep how do you um this is sort of two-part how do you know okay no this is two separate questions (laughs) how do you know how fast you should be going and how do you how do you deal with you're on that stretch of Wyoming where it's a hundred miles of like straight gravel road? It seems like. Okay, so this race is spot tracked, so yeah. we have our spot GPS tracker, and as long as you have cell service, you can kind of look up where everybody's at, mm-hmm. get kind of a general idea where you're at. So I think that provides motivation. You know, depending on where you want to be within the race. Yeah. And with that motivation, that helps you kind of stay focused on those 100-mile stretches of nothing. Okay. You know, and for me, those are I, – I love the chase. You know, whether I'm a contender or not, it doesn't matter. The person in front of me, I'm chasing. And that helps with those long stretches. Yeah. yeah. Just something to focus um, on. Yeah. Do you do music? No music. I really, 
honest, honestly, I really enjoy nature. So, um, hearing things, seeing things, uh, hearing the, the vehicles around me, um, the wildlife around me is, you know, priceless. I will take that any day of the week. Phil, but don't you get into your head too much? I would. I mean, I, I, I'm. I. I need. I like so, the distraction. But that's one of the things about the cue cards. Is I look at that and how far do I have to go? Um, and then I'm really good at making up my own songs. Okay. You know, I just take a tune and make up stuff. Yeah. yeah I, I believe you. Yeah, I just don't know if I want to hear could, it. It could be no. Nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> it's entertaining in itself, yeah. but yeah. I mean, it's definitely not top 40 stuff. <laughs> yeah, probably not top 4,000. Uh, no, yeah, probably not. No. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've asked this of anybody. So you're the first, but okay. since, you know, this isn't, you know, my, my seven audience members aren't particularly long-distance tour divide riders, um... Walk me through your gear, bike, and all the what you have to take and how you do it, and um, get technical. Let's well, get okay. Technical. So, so first thing we have to start this with is a disclaimer: is okay. what I carry with me works for me. Yeah. Every person needs to test what works for them, and I have spent hours testing things you know that's yeah. like you know you and I talking about the Black Hills here just a bit ago yeah. I was testing stuff right yeah. and you know that's the important part of this um, so when you're obviously when you're riding and you have yourself supported and you have to carry things with you you want to have probably the lightest setup humanly possible but still being safe right mm-hmm. <laughs> how much how much comfort with with that, or uh, not? you know, I does, think does that come into the equation? No, I don't think comfort okay. is. It can be part of the equation, but not a lot of it. Um, okay. Obviously, like in this case, okay, so I don't bring a tent. I bring a sleeping bag cover, which we call a bivy sack, but it's not. There's bivy tents and there's bivy sacks, and yeah. a sack is literally a bag that's waterproof. It goes around your sleeping bag and has a hole for your head to breathe, period. You know, so it's very minimal, weighs nothing, packs up into nothing. And then I carry a minimal blow-up pad, and that's just a minimal bit of, of thermal layer between the ground and me um, because the ground, if it's cold or hot, will instantaneously permeate through your body. So you need to make sure you have a little bit of a barrier there. And then it also provides a little bit of comfort. And then a sleeping bag. Um, I have a 19-degree REI uh, down, waterproof down bag. Um, and I, this year, because of my neck problems, I'm carrying a blow-up, a little uh, X-Lite, super light little blow-up pillow just to provide a little bit of support when I sleep. <laughs> so that's... The sleep system, and that's in the front of the bike. And then I also, in the front of the bike, I keep a uh, hooded down jacket, a puff jacket, um, mm-hmm. and I immediately put that on at night when I sleep. And then I also have a wool, smart wool hooded um, uh, 
pull over as well. And that's part of my sleep system as well. So that goes on, then the down jacket goes on, and then I go into the sleep system, and that keeps me very, very, very cozy. Um, and that's in the front, front bag, the what we call a sweet roll. And in the rear is my tools, uh, tubes, um, a few odds and ends like a water filter. Uh, what else? will I be bringing um, uh, some I, I bring vapor barrier gloves and boots um, mm-hmm. and that's just basically a really uh, thin tape seamed um, nylon that you can pull over if you're cold or wet or whatever you can pull over your feet and your hands and it provides instantaneous warmth. Uh, pretty amazing stuff keeps you from going hypothermic <laughs> Um, what else do I have back there? You know, like a rag and, I don't know, a few other odds and ends and stuff. Um, and then on the bike, as far as uh, hydration goes, I'm going to have three water bottles. And then I'll have two mountain feed bags that I can throw uh, any kind of store-bought bottle in it. Um, and those, the, the plan is to let those just, I'll throw them away when I don't need them. So shorter sections, they'll be empty to save in weight. Longer sections, they'll be full to provide uh, Gatorade and water um, during the route. Otherwise, uh, I'll have a K-Lite system with a power hub. So I have light. Uh, the K-Lite, the power hub situation and K-Lite system provides USB power. So it'll keep my Garmin charged um, and my cell phone and my GoPro if I need it. Um, talk about, talk about the K light because that's kind of a cool. <laughs> yeah, cool I mean, it's, well, it's better than cool. It's it's yeah. it's amazing. Um, and it, but one thing you have to remember is you have to be kind of going. I want to say nine miles an hour to be able to have power mm-hmm. um, to provide USB power, uh, and then uh, the light itself it has like two modes to it and. If you're going five miles an hour, you're going to have light. Um, maybe four. Four or five miles an hour to get light. Um, and it's all human-powered. So the power hub, and then it hooks up. And it's quite slick how it hooks up. And then I have the uh, USB. Um, it actually ends up being my top cap on my uh, my stem and my uh, through tube, or my steer tube. Uh, so it's very packed tight system it's amazing yeah so does it um do you have a battery packed so do you charge up or do you just run run? yeah so for for and that's a great question um so the usb the best situation is to charge a usb power or a usb battery pack um but it has to be one that is allows you to charge and pass through charge to the device at the same time um so i use a kodiak um for that and then it and then i i charge that cash battery and then that charges my garmin um and then what i do at night is um what k-light has done is they've created it's a bike packer pro setup where at night when you have the lighting on it will still through the usb port provide a very low 
amount of power, not enough to charge a USB uh, cache battery, but enough to charge my um, Garmin. Uh, I'm trying to think which which product is, the uh, uh, Etrex. Okay. Okay. So the Etrex, the way it works is it runs on batteries, double uh, A batteries, lithium batteries during the day. And then at night, it'll run on those same batteries, but what'll happen is it won't keep the backlight lit. So if you're riding at night, that's kind of a problem because you don't know where you're going. Um, Whereas (laughs) if you hook it up to this USB where it has that trickle power, it'll actually keep it powered up so the backlight stays lit the whole time. (laughs) Good trick. So, yeah, so it works great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I can... You know, plug it in at night, and it requires a little finessing because you got to switch USB cables and whatnot. But yeah. uh, you do that, and then you can see your route. Yeah. So, um, why a Garmin and a GPS? And yeah, a so I use a Garmin Edge 1000 to keep track of my daily stats, miles, power, heart rate, all that fun stuff. Um, if I lose it, it's also backup to the whole system if I need it. Okay. But yeah, it's mostly for just numbers that but if i lost it and it didn't work anymore no big deal okay so the e-track is your your primary navigation device to navigate yep and that's the most important component that you have yeah the garment (laughs) you're nerd out when you get home yeah exactly (laughs) yeah um oh you know what there's one thing you haven't mentioned bike (laughs) oh yeah the bike oh well i mean it's just a it's a mountain bike. Um, yeah. It's a specialized Epic, uh, size large. Um, I had I, my uh, front power hub I had built up uh, on a um, Nexty hoop, carbon hoop, and yeah. then the rear wheel is the Rovol um, stock wheel that comes with the, the bike that I got. Carbon, yeah. carbon hoop there too. Yeah. And I'll be running um, Victoria, um, uh, the Victoria tires. um, The name of them's slipping my mind right now. So, the good one. But just a cross country tread. Yeah, just a cross country tread. um, A 2.1 inch uh, Mezcal. There we go. Victoria Mezcal. 2.1s. I ran those um, last year, no problem. Yeah, that's um I suppose you've got mud, you hit the ice, but you got snow, you got desert. It's probably a pretty good test of a tire to find the right one. Yeah. Well the snow you you can't actually ride on any of that. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, it's late winter snow, it's all melted, it's packed and yeah, it's not rideable. Yeah. So, so. um do you know what it weighs, or do you not care? Uh, you know, I don't know what my weigh-in is going to be. I'm because I'm running so different than last year. Yeah. Uh, I haven't loaded it up and weighed it yet. Um, yeah. But it will weigh somewhere between thirty-five pounds and forty-five uh, with without water. Yeah. Is um, I. Is it important for you to know how much it weighs, or is it just got to, it's going to weigh what it weighs? I mean, are you a weight weenie? 
No. Uh, but, you know, yes and no. I mean, yes, I've been very focused on eliminating as much weight as possible, but I also know what I need. So, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. But, yeah, I spend money on the lightest stuff. Yeah. You the, know? Good, the good light stuff. But I, I get the good light stuff, light stuff, stuff that's durable and it's going to last and, and, and whatnot. But, yeah, it, yeah, so from that respect, yes, weight's important. However, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You yeah. Know? So if it comes in at 50 pounds, that's what it is. Yeah. Oh. And um, probably the most important thing that you carry, your custom mud scraper. Yeah. Yeah. A wooden <laughs> spatula broken off. Yeah. It's custom. <laughs> literally, uh, I didn't even, I didn't even like take and, you know, use a nice saw or anything. I literally took my hand and broke it. Broke it. Are you are, are you going to pitch it when you get to New Mexico and you're not going to have any mud? Oh no, the mud's worse there. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah, there's some sections there that if it rains, it is notorious for just being brutal mud. Uh, yeah, it's no. super clay, and you would think it'd be sandy down there, but nope, it's clay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like <laughs> I'm. If I can't generalize, my life sucks. You know, it's New right. Mexico. It's desert. It's desert. Yeah, the no, way. it's not. <laughs> so. Yeah, the train down there. It, you know, it's uh, it's 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 definitely uh, interesting. Yeah. What um, what's different this year since it's your second time than the first time? You know, I think the biggest difference is confidence. Um, you know, last year, obviously, I had never done it. Um, I had only really bike-packed very little, um, and it's certainly not a multiple-week bike-packing event. Um, so I went into it really not knowing what I was doing. So this year, obviously, with uh, doing half of the route last year, dealing with all the things that I dealt with, plus then going down and visiting the last part of the New Mexico portion of the route, um, I've got a lot more confidence. Um, you know, the New Mexico ride, I also rode my new my new mountain bike and set up and everything, so I know for a fact that it's tested. I did not experience any fatigue uh, the way I did in the first run. Um you know, so I know I'm very confident that the setup is uh, way way better for me uh, as a rider. Um, so yeah, yeah. Did you when you went down and test? Did you was it a race test or a ride test? Did you kind of like it, go at what? You it was a combination. You- so so the first day I rode 190 miles. Just kind of give you an idea of how hard I pushed. Um, But that night, I slept nine hours. Okay. Right? So I kind of – but I also, because it was vacation, there were certain things on the course I wanted to experience, like Pie Town. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a little town that they serve pies. Well, I called, and I said, what time do you guys open? They said, 8 a.m. So obviously, I planned my ride around that. You know, same thing with uh, when I went to the Black Hills this last weekend. I could have done, I did it in less than 72 hours. I could have done it a lot faster, but I wanted to make sure I hit every fire tower during the day so I could take pictures. Yeah. Right. So my ride was planned around those events versus 
hammering through. Okay. Well, Whereas in the divide, sense. I won't. Yeah. Pictures don't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you're more focused. Way more focused. You take pictures of the dark. Yeah. What? Um, so, what is your? Do you have a sleep strategy? Uh well, first listen to my body. Um, okay. I understand, you know, kind of the fatigue. <laughs> you know, the fatigue conditions that I would was experiencing last year, um, and then making sure that I uh, pay attention to those things. You know, so if I think. I'm starting to kind of feel my upper body get a little sluggish and stuff. I'll try to sleep a little more. Um, you know, like uh, I'll try to get a six, six, eight-hour sleep versus a three, four-hour sleep. Yeah. Um, but once I make it probably halfway or a little bit better, you know, all bets are off. Okay. I'll open up. Yeah. You uh. Ride hard the first half, race the second half. Yep. Yep. So I'll just really kind of just list, watch the body, but at a certain point, it won't matter. If my head does drop, like in New Mexico, I know for a fact I can ride New Mexico with my head dropped. Okay. Got a chunk of duct tape? Yep. Tape, yep okay. Take it and make a little harness for my, my chin, and then I'll strap it back and tape it around my crotch. There you go. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up pretty quick. So, do you? So, of the course that you've ridden, both last year and in training, is there a favorite and a worst spot so far? Um. Well, I'd say favorite is always to me is always the one where I it's like home, right? And, yeah. you know, New Mexico is a lot like home. Um, you know, little aggressive rollers and steep little punchy climbs, but you're down and up them very quickly. They're not super long, you know, so basically most of Me New Mexico is that way. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, the gravel there was very similar to here. Um, okay. So that I enjoyed. Um, but I also, I like really, really long mountain climbs. I like where you can, you just kind of kind of find your groove and just go, you know, find that mm -hmm. cadence and just that really works for you and just, just keep pedaling through it. Um, worst part, I would say, is there's some pretty rocky, rugged, yucky parts beyond the snow where you have to hike a bike. Not my favorite. I'm not yeah. a... Like I said, I like to be on my bike. You know, pushing it is fine, but it's not ideal. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All right. I promise we're getting close. Yeah. What did the section in the middle that you didn't ride, what are you looking forward to there? Well, I mean, I think the most is seeing it. Uh, okay. It's Colorado. Yeah. Um, most of Colorado, all of Colorado, yeah. Part all of Colorado and a little bit of Wyoming. Um, uh, you know, I've heard that it's really just you know it's it's not near as technical, but it's technical in the nature of climbing. So there's tons of climbing. <laughs> yeah. But but it's not it's not like Montana and and uh, British Columbia where it's just super rugged terrain. 
you know, so it's going to be a lot more forgiving. And I think it's because it's probably used a lot more than uh, the other states, you know, because they have a very active, um, you know, group of people there, outdoor people there. Yeah. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. I think that's everything I know. Uh, But I'm going to throw something at you. We didn't talk about this. Okay. Are you you scared? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You know, this year I'm not. No, that's not actually. Not, that's no. I'm afraid. Are you scared? Are you afraid of what I'm going to ask you? Oh, am I afraid of what you're going to ask me? Uh, yeah, I might, now I am. <laughs> but, but, but let's answer the first question. Well, you did. You're not. You're not afraid of it because it's. Is it familiar? Yeah, I mean, it's familiar, and I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. So. And I think, I think that's the biggest difference. Is last year I was, uh, I don't, I, I know that the the seven people listening know understand that when you do something new, there's all those things you don't know, and it just creates a anxiety in your whole soul, and you know you're just not at ease. And now that I've done a lot of it, I just feel, I literally feel at ease. I know what I'm getting into. I know how how yucky my body's going to feel. I know how um, wh- I, I know what I understand what mental fortitude it's going to take to fight through that, and uh, it just kind of gives you a little bit of ease, even though you know you have to go suffer, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> is it fun suffering? I don't know. And maybe it is. <laughs> yeah. The the seven will say yeah it's yeah. it's fun it's, it's just really it's fun. just the way it is yeah you yeah. you know what you got to fight through so yeah um oh t- technical question uh, when's the race start uh, June eighth eight a.m. Yeah. you're getting close it is yeah. um, no so this is this is <laughs> think about this okay if if you want during the race to call. We'll uh, we'll record it and put it out. Okay. <laughs> so you think about it, and then we'll you know we'll uh, talk well, about it. Well, if the later. circumstance, hey hey Randy, if yeah. if let's say by some grace of God and all the forces in nature, I'm fighting in the front. Sorry. Then you won't. It probably won't happen. But if if things just go where I kind of go into uh, finish mode, absolutely. Yeah. Or if you're sitting having an ice cream waiting to get back on the bike. If it comes, if that time comes, yes. Yeah. But there may not be time for ice cream. Yeah, come on. It's always time for ice cream. <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll make this deal with you. I'll keep my gear with me wherever I'm at. There you go. Good idea. Because so. more likely I'm going to be calling in, so. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write down a number. <laughs> Okay. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell anybody, but after the race, I'll. Uh, well, I could write down any number then, but yeah, you could. I, you'll just have to trust me. I have a trustworthy <laughs> face. <laughs> but so, all right. Well, um, go play with the puppy. Yeah. Since we already talked about love, that, I'll, love the puppy. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah she's awesome. Good. Oh, they are. Chili, unless, yeah. Unless unless they eat the wrong kind of medicine. That's not good. Yeah, no, no, that's Scary. not good. So, so all right, but it 
it's a happy ending, so that's all we care about. It is a happy ending, and that is literally all we care about. All right. All right. Well, I'll tell you to go fast and take just some little chances. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. All right. Appreciate Thanks for it. the chat. Yep. Chit chat later. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, I was toting my pack down the dusty when a muckle road. When along came a semi with a high canvas covered load. Said if you're going to win a muckle mac with me, you can ride. So I climbed into the cab and I settled down inside. He said, you ever seen a road with so much dust and sand? I said, well, listen, bud, I've traveled every road in this here land. Alaska, Opelika, Barbaroo, Waterloo, Kalamazoo, Kansas City, Sioux City, Cedar City, Dodge City, 